Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. There's an old joke. It's politically incorrect by far and corny at best. It's about in-laws. The joke goes like this. What's the difference in an in-law and an outlaw? And the punchline is that outlaws are wanted. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> totally inappropriate and certainly shouldn't be done in this day of sensitivity at all. But understand this, that the fact that that joke exists indicates an underlying truth. And that truth is that when you marry an individual, if they have a family, in a way, you marry them too. And they can have either a positive effect on your marriage or a neutral effect where they don't really affect it one way or the other, or they have a negative effect on your marriage. And that's what we'd be talking about today. What if you have in-laws that are harming your marriage? It could be your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your brother-in-law, your sister-in-law. I don't know. It could even be a cousin-in-law for that matter. But when you look at that and go, okay, we've got to deal with this because they're causing problems. My first thing I would suggest is think this through just a minute and decide how big of a problem is it. Now, listen to me. I am going to talk about how to deal with in-laws that are causing difficulty. But before I get into that, I will suggest to you that before you take any action at all, ask yourself if their intervention, if they're interceding into your life, if is it just primarily an aggregation, an aggravation? <laughs> Maybe I can talk better in a minute. An aggravation, or is it actually doing harm? Because and there's an old adage I've heard it all my life when people talk about I'm going to do something about this, or I'm going to do something about that. And sometimes people would look them in the eye and say, now, is that the hill that you're willing to die on? Reference back to war, which I guess is still politically incorrect in this day and time. But you understand the principle. The principle is the negative consequences that can come from trying to deal with this. Is it worth it? Is it worth facing those potential negative consequences? And if your in-laws are just aggravating you and not really doing any damage, not really doing any harm, yeah, it's irritating and nobody likes it and you want it to go away. But is that really where you want to place your battle? Now, if your answer is resounding, yes, Dr. Joe Beam, it is where I want to put my efforts and it's where I will fight. If need be, it is the hill on which I will die in terms of my marriage itself if I have to. Okay, then I'm going to give you some suggestions about things to do and things not to do. I'm going to start with the negatives because of the fact that I think before I talk about the positives, it needs to be clear that when I'm suggesting something to do, that you understand the parameters in which you do it. And so one thing, remember this is the first thing. Don't assume that you can say anything to your in-laws or anything about your in-laws and that your spouse is going to be okay with that. And another old adage, I guess I'm just going to be old today. Another old adage, which says that blood is thicker than water. And what that old adage means is even when you think, my goodness, you've got to see the idiocy in this. You've got to see the pain in this. You've got to see that this is a problem. Sometimes people, even though they know it's there, are going to downplay it or discount it to some degree. 
because of the relationship they have with an in-law. I mean, it's awfully difficult for a man or a woman to turn against mom or dad in most cases, or brother or sister in most cases, or even that cousin I mentioned earlier. And so don't assume that your spouse is automatically and immediately going to be okay when you start griping. And therefore, therefore, don't assume that you can say anything any way you wish and your spouse is going to be okay with that. Don't assume that. Because when you start talking about whom they love, you need to be careful in your phraseology. I mean, you can talk about the pain. You can talk about what needs to be done. But be careful not to slander that other person. Now, if your spouse is the one who's slandering his or her relatives, you might be thinking, well, that opens the door and clears the way for me. Not necessarily. (laughs) I remember vividly many years ago that uh, one of my cousins was talking about her brother in negative light. And I was a kid at at that time. I was like 12 years old. And because she was kind of running him down, there was a thing or two I didn't like about him. So I just jumped right in and put in my own criticism to the man that she was just really waylaying, talking about him behind his back. And as soon as I did, <laughs> it went sour quickly. That old, and she actually said blood's thicker than water. Now I was her cousin, so I was blood kin in one sense, but I wasn't her brother. And she was letting me know it's okay if I say negative things about my brother, but it is not okay for you to talk about him like that. I'm glad I learned that lesson at 12 because it's come in handy many times in my life in dealing with couples, dealing with people. And so even if your spouse is the one putting down your in-laws, his or her relatives, don't think that you can do the same language with impunity. Now, if you're thinking, okay, does that mean I can't say anything? No, we'll get to the do's in a moment. I'm just saying don't assume that your spouse is going to be okay with the language you use to talk about your in-laws. And another don't, please, don't make it a war. Now, when I talk about in a couple of minutes what you will do or what I hope that you do, what you can do, let's say it that way. If you decide to make it an outright war, when people get in to a situation where they think it's you or me, it's a battle and somebody has to win, things can intensify pretty quickly. Now, I realize, and we'll be talking about this in a minute or so, I realize that sometimes you have to get kind of intense to deal with these situations. But if you have the possibility of doing it without making it a full-fledged war, please do so. Don't make it a war if you can possibly help it. And here's the final don't. Don't let it lead you to become someone that you don't like. What I'm saying about this is it's called negative effect reciprocity. (laughs) I know it's a big, fancy-sounding phrase, but that just proves to you that we're social scientists, you understand? (laughs) What it means is this. It's awfully difficult to be nice to somebody who's being mean to you. But, you know, if you let yourself take that bait, if you let your emotions get out of control, if you come back at them the way that you're envisioning or believing or understanding that they're doing it toward you, And you may be very right about your interpretation of the way they're treating you. But if you respond in kind, what does that do to you? You know, don't become the person you don't like by trying to defend yourself. Because even if you were to win the war, even if you were to win that battle, you lose. Because if you become somebody else in the process, somebody that you don't like, and you're lying in bed later that night thinking, I can't believe I would have been taught like that. I'm ashamed of myself for the kind of things that I said. And it may not be that night. You may be so angry that it's a while later before you do. But finally, when you do, you're thinking, I don't want to be that person. Well, don't. And don't let anybody 
bait you into being that person. Even if it's your mother-in-law, father-in-law, brother-in-law, whatever. Don't let that happen. So those are the three don'ts. Well, what about the do's? Well, let me give you three of those very quickly, and then we'll start taking phone calls in a minute or so. Well, actually, a little more than a minute. And if you'd like to call in to talk to me, then the telephone number to do so is 657-383-0812. That's 657-383-0812. Now, if you want to talk to me, because some people just call in to listen on their phones, and that's fine. But if you want to talk to me, when you hear the answer, press the number 1. And that puts you into the queue so you can talk to a call screener and hopefully then wind up with talking with me here and we can interact with each other. And hopefully I can uh, help you a little bit with whatever question that you have. Now, what about the do's? Here's the first one. If you're having real problems and there was something you need to deal with, it's not just an aggravation that probably you're better off if you just ignore it if you can. Something you really need to deal with because that in-law or that group of in-laws really is harming your marriage then the first thing to do is to ask your spouse to intervene. You see, it's always best, always best, if the blood kin is the one who deals with the relatives. Now, I can give you an example. I really didn't have an in-law yet, but an anticipated in-law problem. When Alice and I remarried, for those of you who don't, don't know our story, I'll give you the 15-second version. Alice and I had been married for 15 years, and then I divorced her and went off and lived a very different lifestyle, one that uh, I'm ashamed of the fact now that I live that lifestyle. I don't live in shame. <laughs> I have long since gotten past it, but I'm ashamed of the fact that I did those things. Three years later, I asked Alice if she would marry me a second time. She had to think it through, as you understand, and she talked to all of her friends, and including her family, all of which, all of which said, no, 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 do not marry him. Well, she was the one who stood up to them for me, because if it's, if it's the blood kin who does it, it's always better. Now, when I say blood kin, understand that you may be an adopted child to those parents, an adopted brother or sister to those siblings. I'm still calling that blood kin because that's your family. And so she just let them know, I'm going to marry Joe. And this is how I expect you to treat him. And this is what I'll be unhappy about if you do this when you treat him. So whatever your marriage situation is, so let's say, um, let's say it's a mother-in-law. Boy, it almost sounds like an old terrible joke there, doesn't it? But let's say it's a mother-in-law who is constantly telling the daughter-in-law how to do this and how to do that and how to do the other to the point that it becomes not just an aggravation, but finally a problem where the daughter-in-law just can't take it anymore. It's affecting her in very negative ways, physically and intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. And it's like, I can't live like this. I can't do this. Then rather than coming right back at the mother-in-law on her own, if at all possible, it's so much better if she can tell her husband, look, I know she's your mom. I know you love her and I want to love her too, but I can't live like this. And so I need you to intervene for me. Will you do that? Now I know what you might be thinking here. You might be thinking, why doesn't my husband or why doesn't my wife do that automatically? And it would be better if they did by far, it would be better if they did, but it always works better. I say always, there could be a potential exception, but almost always it works better if the one who is actually related directly is the one who does the intervention and says, you know, I, I don't want you talking to my husband like that. I don't want you treating my wife that way. Or it could even be about your children. You know, these are our children. We make these decisions about their lives. And while I appreciate your advice and counsel, do not step in and take over as if you think you know what's best. 
It's ours. And so ask your spouse. Do you know what I mean? That's the first do. Now, the second, if your spouse won't do that, okay, that's something that you ask. And you ask kindly, you ask gently, you explained it where he or she can understand. You haven't been making demands. You certainly haven't been making ultimatums because those things almost always backfire and turn out badly. But you're saying, look, I need you to be on my side. I need you to defend me here. And if they do that, great. But if they don't, here's step number two. Explain to your spouse that you're going to stand up for yourself. That's the second do. Do tell your spouse that you are going to stand up for yourself. And when you do it, as I said earlier, don't try to make it a war. Don't get into a yelling match. Don't get mean. Don't say nasty things to the other person. Do it with dignity. Do it with calm confidence, knowing that it's okay and it's right for you to stand up for yourself. And that we hope that's exactly what you do, not by being some arrogant kind of individual. Nobody wants that. Or at least (laughs) I don't want to be around people like that. I'm assuming you don't either. So don't become that person. But, but calmly. And in that sense, believe it or not, it's actually with humility, not because you're rolling over and playing dead. It's not because you become a doormat, but because when you can do it calmly, but with strength, that actually is humility. And you can tell your spouse this, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create some stops and I'm going to create some cores. Now, if you've listened to us before and been to our YouTube channel, and by the way, I certainly hope that you do. If you go to our YouTube channel, you know, youtube.com slash marriage helper. That's all one long word, marriage helper, you are marriage helper. We have hundreds, hundreds of videos over there that are free. And we hope you take advantage of them to help you with whatever it is you're dealing with. Uh, if you go, please subscribe. Seriously. We provide those free videos for you because we want to help you and we ask you to help us in return. And by subscribing, you help us with YouTube and that helps us reach even more people. So please subscribe when you're there. Okay. But if you go there, understand that you'll find there's some things about stops and cores, although I am developing a new course about that. and It's not ready yet, so don't ask for it now. A stop is a safeguard that offers protection. What that means is if you're going to say there's something that just can't happen anymore, don't make a long list. Pick one, two, at the absolute most, three things, and make sure those are things that just have to stop. This can't happen anymore. And so it could be something like you can't come into my home and start rearranging all my furniture because you don't like the way I do it. I realize that probably very few people are dealing with one just like that. But understand, this is a specific behavior that has to stop. You can't do it anymore. Now, don't do more than a couple if you can help it. And then these are the do's that you have to do. We call those cores, continuing our relationship essential. If you're going to continue a relationship with me, here's some things that you need to do. You need to be nice to me as opposed to being mean to me. That kind of thing. Now, I'm not going to give you more detail on that. You can find more videos about it. And and if you need to, you can find a, a an audio blog I did two or three years ago now, maybe even longer. You go look on our website for it. Go to Marriage Helper. That's MarriageHelper.com, MarriageHelper.com. And that little search engine at the top, put in boundaries, write the word in boundaries, because that's what I used to call them, boundaries. Now I call them stops and cores. And you can find an hour and 15-minute video. I'm sorry, it's not a video. It's an audio where I explain that in more detail. But you first, the, the first do under after asking your spouse, do be the one who intervenes for me. I need you to be my protector, my defender. The second do is, if your spouse won't do that, you respectfully, calmly, but with strength, tell your spouse, I'm going to set these cores, these stops. 
not going to be a whole lot, but I need you to know in advance that I'm going to do that. And you don't yell at your spouse. You don't get mean. You don't get emotional. You just say, this is what I have to do to take care of me. And then the third do is put them into place with those in-laws. Have a conversation, preferably in person. Oh, I know. Sometimes we just want to text because we don't have to look at them face to face. But the written word is not nearly as powerful as being able to talk to each other and can be misinterpreted in so many ways if you just send the text or an email. It's a whole lot better if you do it face to face. If you're thinking, oh, goodness, so it's going to turn into a fight. Then do it by Skype or FaceTime, where if you need to end the conversation, you can. But it's so much better if you can look at each other when you do it. And then very calmly, without attacking, without accusing, you tell that particular spouse, I mean, I'm sorry, that particular in-law or that group of in-laws, like it might be father-in-law and mother-in-law together. I don't know, you know, siblings together, whatever. You tell them, these are things that are causing me pain. These are things that are doing harm to me. Or it could be, say, doing harm to my children, if that's the case. Doing harm to my marriage, if that's the case. And therefore, these are some things that have to stop. And if there's some things that also need to happen, these are things. And you don't be mean. And if they want to argue with you, don't argue. Don't argue because then it just becomes a mess. It turns into that war. Just say, okay, I'm happy to hear what you say, but I don't need to explain myself here. And I certainly don't have any need to defend what needs to happen here. I want a good relationship with you. I want us to be kind and loving to each other, but that can't happen if these things keep occurring and therefore they have to change. So did you get those? I gave you three don'ts and three do's. Don't assume that you can say anything about your in-laws or to your in-laws and your spouse is going to be okay with it. Don't make it into a war if you can possibly help it. And don't let it lead you to become someone that you don't want to be. And none of the do's, Ask your spouse to intervene. That's the first do. The second do, explain to your spouse that you're going to set some cores and some stops. Explain to them, okay, if, if you don't do it, if you don't defend me, I'm going to defend myself, and this is how I'm going to do it. And the third is actually carry it through and explain those things to the in-laws that are doing the damage. Throughout it all, stay calm. Really, calm strength carries the day. Okay, now we're going to start going to our callers here. Again, the telephone number is 657-383-0812. And we're going to start in the great state of Texas. And we're going to be talking to Adam over there. Hi, Adam. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're very welcome, my friend. How may I help you? I see here that it says that you've asked for divorce, but you've changed your mind. Is that what you're calling about? Yeah, I have a... My wife is having a huge trust issue with me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, back in September, I told her I wanted a divorce. There was not another mm-hmm. person. I just really had built a fantasy in my head about a life that I really thought I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I changed my mind in February, and I found out she was having an affair and um, had moved out and was on with somebody else. And since then, I've been doing my pies and working on things, and things have greatly, greatly improved. Mm-hmm. Um but like the other night we were having dinner, she came to the house and I had cooked and I don't know, 30 minutes into dinner, she just um, is still bringing up some issues. And I don't know um, how to help curve some of these conversations when she just goes into mm-hmm. this negative place of um, mm-hmm. why did you do this? Why did you do that? And I know she feels completely betrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need help trying to curve the conversations. Okay. Okay. And how long ago was it that you told her that you wanted the divorce? 
September. September or December? I didn't hear. I'm sorry, September. September, I thank you. And it was after that that she got involved with the other guy. Is that correct? Yeah, it was around December. Okay, so a couple of three months after that. And and it's because, and what I'm hearing you say is you, you think at least part of the cause of that was because of the fact that you had told her you wanted a divorce. And so in her mind, it was like, if you don't want me, maybe somebody else does. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, she felt completely abandoned by me, I guess, emotionally. Okay. So in these conversations, when she brings these things up, does she get angry? Yes. Okay. And how do you respond to that anger? I usually just try to let her work through it and talk. And um, we were going to counseling for a while, and I, a lot of these issues had come up in counseling, and I had really thought about them in great detail and apologized and tried to do my best to understand how she felt. Mm-hmm. And, I've, and I feel like we're – we're just going over them again and again and again, and they're not getting better. It just makes her angrier. Right. You know. I'm sure it does. I am sure it does. So why do you have dinner together? What was the purpose for that? Uh, just trying to connect with her. She, she said she okay. would eat uh, with me. Okay, so you asked her to dinner, and she consented. And how far into that conversation before things begin to go bad? I don't know, maybe 30 minutes to an hour. Okay, and then that first 30 minutes to an hour, was the conversation civil and kind and calm, that kind of thing? Oh, yeah, it was fun and flirty. I mean, it was good. Okay, and so was she drinking any? No. No wine, no anything? Uh, no, I mean, we. no, I don't think so. Sometimes we've had a okay. martini, but it's, I make them really light if she comes over. Okay, but that wasn't the case in that situation. So what was it that caused the transition? Was there something that was said? Was something that occurred? What caused her, What's caused the transition from talking to each other, being kind of flirty, into she starts bringing up the past and getting angry all over again? What led to that transition? You know, honestly, I think that she was having fun. And I could just see uh, her eyes kind of glaze over and the walls come up, you know? Okay, so I you think, think that she begin to have a better relationship with you, and it kind of and it made her mad because she doesn't want to. That's what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct? I think that might be. I mean, she's coming over for dinner again tonight. And, okay, good. Um, you know. Okay, a couple of suggestions, if I may, Adam. Now, I don't have the magic wand. If I did, I promise, Adam, I'd use it for you. <laughs> but unfortunately, I don't. But a couple of suggestions. If you know it's going to go well for the first thirty minutes to an hour. You might want to be thinking about how you're going to make a transition when you first begin to see those eyes change. Since you mentioned you begin to see her eyes change. And that transition might be into something like, hey, let me tell you about this movie I saw the other night. Or, uh, hey, there's this new game. <laughs> Sometime we ought to play it. If you've got time, we can play it now. In other words, you kind of head off her getting into that by, by leading her in a different direction just so that she doesn't evolve into that during the conversation, if at all possible. Now, if that feels manipulative, don't do it. Don't do anything that you feel is manipulative, and certainly don't do it. If you see her reacting like she thinks is manipulative, then don't let that happen. So here's the second thing. If you know that that's going to happen about an hour into it, then you might want to say, hey, let's get together. Uh, I've only got about an hour, and and so let's just do that. And, and, And so you actually make the visit shorter on purpose ahead of time, not like all of a sudden you abruptly, oop, got to go, but ahead of time, hey, you know, let's get together for an hour and we're going to have coffee over here at the, whatever, that kind of thing. If you know it's going to be about that time when she begins to change, then you can actually begin to rebuild the relationship by having those good visits 
but somehow stopping it before it turns into the bad visit if you can. Now, if you can't yeah. stop it, if she, if she goes ahead and gets into it anyway, okay, then I would not continue to say that I'm sorry. Because the more you do that, the more you program her to think, you're right, you're just sorry. And, and you don't, and not in the sense of you're apologetic, but in the sense of you're no good. And so we, we, our tendency is to keep telling the other person, yeah, I messed up, I did terrible, I'm so sorry. But we actually program them then to think of us in that light. And so instead, you might want to do something like this. When she starts talking about those negative things, you can say, you know, I am so happy that I learned not to do that anymore. If she says something else negative, she says, I get it. I can understand why you feel that pain. I would do the same. And so you're acknowledging her pain. You're not taking anything back like, I'm not sorry. I'm, you're not doing that. But you're not constantly at the same time apologizing over and over again because that just almost always winds up backfiring on you. So you empathize with her. You let her know you're hearing her, that you understand what she feels, but without continuing to, in essence, beat yourself up. Is that making any sense to you at all, Adam? No, the third point is very, very good because I just feel like I'm on an apology tour and I don't know mm -hmm. how to stop it. Totally feel that what you're saying is 100% correct. I don't want her to, to think that I'm a, I'm a sorry human being. Mm -hmm. You know, I just want her to move past or try to help her process the pain that she's feeling. Mm -hmm. So Okay. So you think you can do that then? Be empathetic, understanding? Awesome. I'd love to know how it turns out, my friend. Have a great Thank meal you tonight. Much, You're very welcome, Adam. You take care of yourself, my friend. Okay. Then we have up here, we are going to go to Georgia to another Adam. Well, we've had two Adams now. Adam, welcome to the program. Are you there? Hi, Dr. Beams. Thank you so much for taking my call. You're very welcome. I see here that your wife's filed for divorce and that you're asking what you do next to save the marriage. Is that correct? Well, yeah, we've been married for 10 years. Uh, we've been separated in-house for about nine months now. And uh, I've had, you know, the last relationship we had, the relationship talk we had was probably back in March or April. And all she wants to focus on is, you know, how to make this move forward. And she's one of no part in any any sort of, you know, fixing of mm -hmm. anything. And it's ironic because uh, <laughs> your your in law talk has a, a lot to do with how, why we're here too. Mm -hmm. um, my parents moved here, and they're a little overbearing. And she wanted me to uh, set boundaries, and I just never stood up to my parents like that. And I finally did. Mm -hmm. But by then, she had already pulled away, and I didn't see the signs. So and so, what I don't reason is she giving you, Adam? What reason is she giving you that she wants a divorce? What's she saying? She just said she fell out of love. She pulled away, became distant because she felt like I wasn't putting her first. And okay. she never really told me until it was already too late. Okay. And I've worked on my well, pies. I worked on my smart contact mm -hmm. for the last few months. and just. But what I'm hearing you say is that bad. she really did tell you, right? I mean, I understand that she didn't use those exact words, but by asking you or communicating to you, she wanted you to stand up for her. Then in essence, she really did kind of tell you, right? Yeah. And I was blind to it and I didn't realize how much yeah. she was hurting until, yeah. until it was already, well, you know, the writing was on the wall. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the human race. And my friend. Now she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't want to discuss anything any further. I'm not bringing it up for, okay. you know, smart contact reasons. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know what to do from this point. Okay, I'd like to do understand. Workshop, but <laughs> I wish I wish you could come. I really do. If uh, tell, you may have told me, and I just missed it. How long have you guys been married? Ten years. 
think that's right. You said that. I heard that. I'm sorry. I didn't make a note on that. And do you have children? We have three young children. And we get along great. Co-parent great. Everything. If you came in our house, you'd think it was a, you know, a happy home. Mm -hmm. But she's blocked you off. As far as you know, Adam, is there anything out there that she's pursuing a lifestyle, a person, a fantasy, anything out there that she's being pulled toward? Nothing that I can see. She just valuing her freedom. I think that's that's her lo. Is just you know mm-hmm. starting over with a new life. She came from mm-hmm. you know a house of divorce, and she thinks the mm-hmm. kids will be fine. Mm-hmm. And I've always valued marriage and vows mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. whatever I can do to make things better. Right. Adam, in a situation like this, my heart breaks for you, my friend. Even though perhaps you didn't stand up for her like you should have, you know. We learn in life. We we finally get messages that we missed. And so I'm not going to beat you up for that because, goodness, there's nobody listening that hasn't been there in some way or another. But in the situation you're describing, you do know, of course, that you can't make her do anything. You do understand that. And so the recommendation I'm going to make to you is this. Keep working on you, becoming the best you that you can be. Now, if she's out there pursuing um, freedom, which it basically is a lifestyle that can become a pull, then I don't know if you're a religious man or not. If you're not, that's fine. I don't, you don't have to be religious to follow some of the suggestions we give. But if you are a religious person, you might want to uh, pray something like, you know, open her eyes to the fact that it's not going to be as exciting as she thinks it's going to be. And so, Adam, my heart is with you. I feel pain, uh, particularly for those children. And, I, you know, when people come from a divorced home, like you said she did, uh, the research has been ample over the years that, that, People who come from divorced families can sometimes have less uh, fear of divorce. In other words, like, okay, but that's just what people do, and so therefore that's what I will do. And I realize that that's what you're not wanting to happen to your kids. That one reason you want to save the marriage is that you love your wife. You want to stand for your marriage and save it, and I admire you for that. But also that, that so that that doesn't become a re- replicated thing through time, and I get that too. So, Adam, that's the only thing you can do, my friend, is just be the best you you can be. Work on the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, the pies, as we call them. Keep doing the smart contact. And and don't give up yet. Don't lose hope yet. Because of the fact you said, if I were to visit your home, I would think it was an ideal home. Adam, you don't know how many people that are out there right now listening that would trade. And they'd pay you a million dollars if they had it to get that situation. You know, at least we could get along peacefully and interact with each other peacefully. So that's actually an advantage. And so I wish I had the magic wand, my friend, but I don't. But I'm recommending very strongly that what you do is that you keep working on you and hope that that becomes the pull that's big enough to pull her back toward you. Because right now, the pull, based on what you said, appears to be the newfound freedom out there. Well, at some point that's going to begin to fade as an excitement. And when that point happens, and I can't tell you if it's next week, next month, next year, I just don't know. But if you want to stand for this marriage and be there for your kids, whenever that occurs, if you've been becoming the better and better and better you, then, then that can be the pull that will bring her back whenever she reaches that point. And I don't know any way to make people get there. It's a matter of patience and working on you until they do. And now I'm going to go to the great state of Utah, and we're going to talk to, is it Arrow? Is it how you pronounce your name? A-R-A, Arrow? Ada. Ada. Ada? 
Okay, I'm sorry that I said that incorrectly. How may I help you today? It says here that you've signed up with one of our workshops. I'm glad to see that. And that your husband is backing out now because uh, he found out that it's a marriage workshop. Is that what I'm reading here? Yes. Yes. Well, we don't talk. Like, he gives me 30 seconds to explain things to him. And a week before I told him about this workshop, and he said, no, no, I'm not going with you. He wants me to help him sell a property so he can buy another house for himself so he can move out on his own. And and I said, okay, I help you with that, but you give me a weekend. You go attend to this workshop with me. And he said, no, 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 no. A week later, he said, okay, I'll go with you. I'm going to get my house, and you're going to get your weekend. So I booked the workshop. Mm-hmm. I didn't explain to him, but I, he knew that. That's why he was against us the first time, because he knew it was to work on the marriage. And now he's saying that you never told me it was about the marriage, and mm-hmm. I told him, you give me 30 seconds. I cannot explain everything in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. He's like, you are manipulating me. If it's a religious thing, I'm not going. And... So he backed off. I have everything booked already. (laughs) So, Ara, let me ask you a question, if I may. Has he already then been able to get from you whatever he needed to get from you to sell the house? No. No, we're going to do the workshop first. And then. Okay. That's smart. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. And now he's been very quiet. He didn't speak to mm-hmm. me for a week. Now he's speaking just the minimal. Like I, I mm-hmm. make food. He eats it. I, mm-hmm. He likes the house very clean and the car very clean. And he says, okay, go. now it's time. I think it's very strong and wise on your part that when you make a deal like that, about anything, about anything, but that when you want to do that, Oops, I lost her. Okay, we lost our contact, but I'll go ahead and finish this then. Uh, somehow we lost the connection there, and Ara is not online with me anymore. But let me just finish, if I may, what I was about to say to her so that, that all of us, all of us can get to the point here. If you're going to make ever any kind of a deal, for lack of a better word, with your husband or your wife about anything, whatever it might be, and in Ara's case, it was about coming to the workshop, Okay. And when you make an agreement and they say, okay, I will do that if you give me this, it's always very wise to say, okay, (laughs) all right, let's make sure. I'm not going to then go ahead and do my part now and then you back out later. I'm not going to let you manipulate me because people will do that. And it's really a very interesting thing that often when people are manipulating you, they will accuse you of being the one doing the manipulation. And that's a manipulative tactic. (laughs) It really is. Now, I wouldn't say discount any time your spouse ever says, I feel manipulated. I think you really need to listen to that. Don't just discount it immediately. But also at the same time, don't automatically think that that's correct. If your spouse says you're manipulating me, look at what's going on. And if you are manipulating them, say, whoops, I can see how you feel that way. I'll stop that behavior. Really, manipulation is not a good thing. If you manipulate a spouse to be with you, how are you going to keep them with you? Okay, like I'm going to manipulate you so we can start working on a marriage. What do you do later? Really think about that. What do you do later when you can't do much? So manipulation is bad. And if they say that, then examine yourself to see if you really are manipulating. If you're not, then examine the possibility of, oh, is that a tactic to manipulate me? And if so, you don't need to get mad. You don't need to fight. You just need to be strong. Like, "Mm, no, 
no, I'm not going to let that happen. This is the deal we made. I'm going to stay with the deal, whatever it was. And again, it's not just about coming to a workshop like ours. It's all kinds of things like what we're going to do about the children, what we're going to do about the house, what we're going to do about this, what we're going to do about that. Because when you are in emotional upheaval, like you want to save the marriage and the other person doesn't necessarily want to do so, you can be manipulated more easily often when you're in that kind of emotional upheaval. So be very careful. We advise people to be strong, not mean, not arrogant, not that, but strong and calm. And don't just let yourself be a doormat that gets walked on. You stand up for yourself and do what you think is the right thing to do. It's very important. And now we're going to go over to Pennsylvania, and we're going to talk to Jason over there. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the program. I see here that you're uh, asking your question about how to deal with your in-laws. Is that correct? Hi, Dr. Bean. Thanks. Yeah, uh, thanks for taking my call. That's exactly what I'm going to ask about. Okay. Um, yeah, so my in-laws are uh, – well, let me, let me phrase this correctly. Uh, so my wife and I have been separated for a year and a half. She, she moved out. Um, we have three kids. Uh, they mm-hmm. go back between the two of us every other week. So I get them a week, then she gets them a week. Um, mm-hmm. There is another man involved. So mm-hmm. that's been before she left. Uh, so that's been an affair going on for a long time. Well, um, Her parents have been very apathetic, at least from what I can tell. Um, they have always kind of been that way, very standoffish, even when we were married. It's been... 15, 16, 17 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when this came about, the only thing that I ever heard was that they did talk to her one time. She knows that they are angry and that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, her mother does work in a law office. And so I think a lot of legal things she can get pretty much for free. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of a thorn in the side because a lot mm-hmm. of, I've, I've heard like, oh, we have to have a settlement agreement. We have to do this. We have to get all these legal things done. And I kind of suspect I know where that's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, but the parents have not, her parents have not reached out to me at all. Um, I've reached out okay. to them once or twice and was basically told, well, this is her path now. And that's just the way it's going to go. Um and so, so, so what, you're, what I'm hearing is that you believe that they're actually uh, aiding and abetting her decision to end this marriage with you and go be with the other man. That's what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct? It, it, well, I don't know about for another man, but as far as like it, 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 from what I can gather, it's always been, well, she has her own life and we're just going to let her do or do whatever. So by not okay. acting or, or, or by not doing anything, it's basically mm-hmm. saying it's okay. Um, so you have know, you ever they, talked they, with them about this? Have you ever um, had a conversation with not, them about this? Not directly. They are very standoffish even when I try to. Um, I've okay. asked them, hey, can we sit down and talk? And it's like, well, maybe one day we can do it. Um, but it, it, okay. never, it never surfaces. Okay, so they're avoiding him. It's not always, by the way, a good idea to ask to speak to the in-laws. I ask you because of the fact that you feel that they're being totally apathetic about this. So, for example, and, and this may not apply directly to you, Jason, but let me just kind of put this point out there. If she were to see you trying to talk to her parents as being somehow trying to um, be subversive toward her, then she'd probably react very negatively to it. So we don't always advise people. It's a good idea if you're trying to approach the in-laws. It's just that uh, I ask you that because 
it seems like you've got a pretty good insight into what they're doing. And, and the question was more from me just a moment ago was about, do you know they're being empathetic or not? And based on the answer you just gave me, it sounds like that you're pretty well sure that they are, that, that they're not in any way trying to intervene. They're just going to let her do what she wants to do. Right. That is correct. Yes. Okay. And your question is how to deal with them. What do you want to do? Well, that's a tough one because I'm not sure what to go or what to, where to go. And just real quick, because I know you have a thing about this, is that they are both also Presbyterian ministers. So oh, it, it's really tough for me to try to figure out where to navigate. Should I <sighs> say anything or not say anything? Should I let it go? I mean, they, they, they we're, we're very respectful. There's definitely respect. There's no hatred, mm-hmm. nothing like that. Um, mm-hmm. They definitely do not put me down. Um, that, that's a, that's for that's for sure. Um, but what's kind of weird is even within the first two or three months of when they found out, um, her mother gave us a book, and you can go I guess look online. It's called Ex Etiquette, and it's all about how to have like um, a great ex having a, an extended mm-hmm. family and so everything what I'm else. Hearing you say. What I'm hearing you say yeah. is that you feel that they're not even living up to their belief in values. Is what I'm hearing you say, correct? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think okay. so. Okay. Well, a couple of things here, my friend. When people say, "Should I do this? Should I do that?" One of the things we ask, and when I say we, not just me, when people call here, but you know, our coaches when they're working with people individually, well, often a question like this is, "What do you expect to accomplish if you do that?" And what are the positives that could potentially happen? What are the negatives that could potentially happen? Well, since they're avoiding you, it looks like it's not going to happen anyway, unless you somehow try to force it. And if you somehow try to force it, then my question would be, what good do you think is going to come from that? I mean, is it going to make your wife feel better about you? Is it going to keep your in-laws respectful toward you? Or could it potentially make that even worse on their side? And so it sounds like, based on what you're saying here, that there's not really anything you can do about the in-laws. Is that how you're seeing it? Yeah, that's pretty much how I'm seeing it, um, and, and that is true. It, 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 I don't see it being a total positive unless, mm-hmm. um, unless I, you know, I mean, I'll stay the course. That's fine. <laughs> that, yeah. That's good for you. That's the best way to go. That's the, that is what I will do. Yeah. Um, I'm just you know, I don't know them. Confirmation. Right. I don't know them, and I don't know your wife, of course, and, and I've just met you here, you know, on this program. You sound like a very good man. You sound like a man that, that is full of love, but also a very logical man. And I admire that in you, my friend. I, I do. But when it comes to it being her parents, I just don't see, based on what you're saying here, any positives based on what you described. But it's your life. I mean, I can't make your decisions for you. And if you want to go. And, and, and somehow kind of try to force a meeting with them, then that's your right. But it, it appears to me, based on what you're saying, it would do more harm than good. And I know you don't want that, my friend. And then we're going to go to the great state of Oklahoma, and we're going to talk to Jennifer. And Jennifer, I see that you have a question about parents, but it's your own parents here. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. What's, um, what's going on there, Jennifer? Okay. So um, we attended your workshop at the end of June, which was fabulous, by the way. I recommend it to everybody. Um, Thank you very much. He had moved out a week or so before the workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, he's moved out. My kids have told their cousins. so Everybody kind of knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. My mom, my dad, my brothers. Um, and 
growing up, my mom was very controlling, very manipulative. That's where I learned it. I'm mm-hmm. trying to unlearn it right now. Okay. Mom still hasn't figured out that she needs to unlearn it, though. So no. she sent him a text last night, and it started out fine because he kept saying they hate me. They don't, I, you know, they don't want to be around me. I can feel the hate, whatever. And I'm like, no, you know, you've been their son for 18 years. They don't hate you. They're not particularly happy with your choices in life right now. Mm-hmm. But she sent him a text last night that kind of started out that way, started out, you know, pretty loving because I, I did ask them if they were going to say anything to him that they needed to come at it in love and not in anger. Don't be angry for me. I can do that myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then but then towards the end of the message, it was, we just don't understand why you're doing this to her and the kids. Um, mm-hmm. We think it's very selfish. Uh, why didn't Why didn't you just stand up in the beginning and say you didn't love her and leave rather than having multiple affairs? Oh, my goodness. So yeah. how do you know about this text? Because my mom sent it to me. Okay, so she sent it to him. This is what I told him last night. Yes. Okay. And as far as you know, last night. Ryan. Go ahead, I'm sorry. But as far as you know, has he had any response to that? I I don't know that he's responded to them. I know we've been in brief contact today, and he Mm -hmm. hasn't said anything to me about it. Okay. And my mom and dad are out of town right now, so. Okay. So you really don't have any insight right now as to how he reacted to it one way or the other. Let's no, just I hope. have no idea. <laughs> Let's just hope that it didn't do too much damage. And so the question comes back to this then, okay, you know, how are you going to keep them from getting involved? Um, you say your mom tends to be the one who intervenes, tends to be a little bit controlling. That's what I heard you say. So if yeah. you sat down with her when they get back in town face-to-face and look at her and say, Mom, I appreciate you loving me like you do. Mom, I appreciate you wanting to be involved in my life. But I need to put a stop to this. I need you not to be contacting him because although I know you mean well, I fear that the result is going to be just the opposite, that rather than helping me pull him back, it's what, you know, what the basic concept is, it'll wind up pushing him further away. How do you think she'd react to a conversation like that? I think I've already tried to have a conversation like that to her and her response was, well, then I just won't talk to you about it at all anymore. (laughs) And I looked at her and I said, that's manipulation and I don't appreciate it. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And so when you said that, you you didn't appreciate it. What did she say next? She said, I don't understand how that's manipulation. I'm just telling Mm -hmm. you how I feel. So this is, I, I, and I honestly, Dr. Beam, I honestly don't feel like she understands that it is because she's been doing it for 53 years of her life. Right. I'm I'm sure her motive is good. I'm sure that she loves you and she wants to help. Actually, it was what you described there was more of a passive aggressive behavior, which is a way to manipulate without a doubt. And so, Jennifer, maybe then you'll have to go another step. And, of course, I I can't tell you exactly what to do. You know, you've got to make your own decisions. But the other step might be this. When you next talk with your husband, if you're having any kind of a conversation where you can actually really talk to each other, it says something like, I think my mom's been texting you. Is that right? If he says yes, uh, and just, you know, be honest with me, how's that affecting you? If he says, oh, I appreciate the fact she loves me, then maybe you just let it go for a while. If he says, well, you know, it's just kind of ticking me off a little bit here, then here's what I would suggest you say. You say, okay, I've had a talk with her. I'm going to have more. But in the meantime, 
I'm asking you to block mom, not because I don't love my mom. I do. And she means well, but I'm asking you to block my mom so that she can't do any potential difficulty here. And it's not because I don't love her. Now, here's why I'd be recommending that. The fact that, that you let him know, I have talked to her about this. I don't want her to do it. And the second thing that you ask him to block her is like, hey, Jennifer's understanding this. She's, she's on my side of the table on this issue. And as you know from going to the workshop, the more often you can get on that side of the table of the other person without sacrificing your own beliefs and values, without doing something against what you stand for. But the more often you can be on the, they perceive you as on their side of the table, the greater likelihood of putting things back together. Does that make any sense to you, Jennifer? Yeah, it makes absolute sense. I just, okay. I'm, I'm apprehensive about asking him about the text message because he's definitely an avoider. Okay. And it's going to be, oh, it didn't bother me. Oh, it's fine, you know. Okay. And I'm just afraid that these the push behaviors that I'm I've stopped. <laughs> Mom's picking okay. them up. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you have to make the judgment there, my friend. You have to make the judgment there. But one other possibility then is not to ask him, just to say, I found out my mom sent you a text. And and if those things are are causing negatives within you, here's what I'm asking you to do. I've talked to her about it. You know, so rather than asking him what he feels about it, it's still the same conversation. But coming from you like, hmm, I don't want this to bother you. And if it is, please block her. I ask you to do it. It's still the same result, but without asking him what he thinks about it. If, If you think it's bothering it. And, of course, right now you're having to guess, right? Right. It's all assumption at this point. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Jennifer, it's good to talk to you again. Thank you for being in the workshop and thank you for the nice things you said about it. Uh, I hope we have more contact as we go down the line. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. You have a good day. Okay. Thank you very much. And still in the in-law vein, we're going to go over here to, to North Carolina and we're going to talk to Crystal and Crystal. It says here, after your husband left, your mother-in-law turned against you and you're asking about how you respond. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Okay. You want to give me just a little bit of detail? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me, my friend? I can. Thank you. Yeah, um, we have been very close for seven years. And while we've Mm -hmm. been having some marriage problems quite a bit of that time, it's my Mm -hmm. second marriage. I was widowed, and then I remarried. Um, I have three adult sons. He had three sons who were 10 to 18. They are all now Mm -hmm. adults. And he just abandoned me two months ago and moved in with his mother, uh, where she says he he is a perfect child. He never did anything wrong. He's a doctor. And then her daughter, she had a problem with her from day one. So literally in March, we were all together in an attorney's office doing estate planning, where she made me the executor of her will following her son and said if her daughter had any dispute at all with anything, she received nothing and she considered me more of a daughter than her own daughter so now that my husband has left it has been a 180 so she used Mm -hmm. to be my prayer partner and i told her i said i learned early that i'm never going to tell my family anything wrong about a husband if you told them a million great things but you told them one thing that one thing would be all they remember Mm -hmm. so i said i'm calling you for backup And, you know, I'm going to talk to you for two reasons. Number one, no matter what I tell you that we have going on, you're going to love him anyway. And number Mm -hmm. two, you're going to give me insight to him that I don't have to help me in my marriage. 
So it was quite a shock that I not only lost him, but I lost her too. Now, my parents have been dead since I was 10 years old, so I don't have Mm -hmm. parents myself. Um, But it's just, I do want our marriage restored, but I don't know how to handle her. And then, of course, her daughter and all the daughter's family has been against me since the idea of me. And then the first day I met his sister, the husband pulled me aside. Her husband pulled me aside and said, hey, you and I have to stick together because we're outsiders. So I got that in the first 10 minutes of meeting the the other in-laws. And so um, the the thing I'm wondering about is, why are you concentrating on mother-in-law? Well, because I think she's going to be key to whether or not my husband's going to respons- be responsive to move back toward me. And so you think there's something that you could do or say that's going to actually lead her to do that? Well, I think that she has a lot of influence over what he might do if I can, you know, continue to pursue reconciliation. Right. I, I'm, I'm sure based on what you described, it sounds like it's a... Well, I'm not going to go into that, okay? But it doesn't sound good. And But my question again is this. What makes you think that anything you do or say would put her back on your side? Oh, I, I don't think anything I could do or say could put her back on my side. I think it would have to okay. come through my husband. Okay. All right. So I, I guess I'm misunderstanding the question then. So if you can help me understand, because forgive me, sometimes I can be a little dense. What specifically is it then that I can help you with? <laughs> That's a great question. I have not <laughs> articulated myself well. Um, oh, I don't know. Um, in your experience, how mm-hmm. does this happen? That someone who loved you, even a mother-in-law or a husband could completely do a 180 shift away from you. I mean, I'm stunned. Uh, well, you described it. I, I don't know about him, but let's talk about her. How did she turn back? What you've described is that, she, that he has been the ideal child in her mind. She's been the, uh, he's been the, the one so that even the daughter was mm-hmm. put off to the other side. And if yes. he, if she is that focused on him, then whatever he says to her, whatever he said about you, whatever he said about the relationship, anything else, she, I, I would have expected nothing other than her to be completely, absolutely, totally, and positively on his side, period. And if he feels mm-hmm. like he doesn't want to be with you for whatever reason that might be, then I would have been shocked if she didn't turn against you based on that mother-son relationship that you just described. I love the fact that mothers and sons can be close to each other. Wonderful. That's an awesome thing. But, but it sounds like that this is the point where this boy does no wrong. As you said, he's the perfect child, those kinds of things. And so I don't know that there's anything that you can do concerning her that might put her back to your side because she's going to do whatever she thinks is going to make that boy happy. Now he's not a boy. He's a physician. I understand, but that's how she's going to see him. This is my little boy, and I'm going to defend him. I'm going to protect him. I'm going to be on his side no matter what. And so, when it comes to the in-law question, there, I don't know that there's anything you can do to change her at all. And so, if you're going to focus on trying to save the marriage, I would recommend, if at all possible, try not to think about her. Will she have an influence? Sure, she will. In that kind of relationship, she's going to have a lot of influence. But but you can't control her just like you can't control him. And therefore, therefore, 
you need to concentrate just on you becoming the best you can be. I know we say that all the time to the point it almost sounds trite. And think in terms of, you know, what could we possibly do to put the relationship back together and not, not think about her anymore because that's not where the answer is going to lie. And then we're going to go to the great country of Canada and talk to Janine. Janine, it says here that your in-laws disrespect you, but they want to move closer. Hey, can you help me understand a little bit more about that, my friend? Hi, Dr. Beam. Hello. Um, can you hear me? Yes. I can barely hear you. You have a very soft voice. Well, I'm at work. I'm trying to be quiet. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, I get that. So, yes, um, they are very disrespectful. Um, they can you give me one quick example? Just one quick example of what that means, they're disrespectful? Um, well, I can give you an, an instance where, um, where um, they... They feel the need to. Uh, they think they can throw their money in into our relationship and therefore make decisions, which I've said from the get-go I don't want. Um, they'll mm-hmm. my mother-in-law will come into my house and um, she'll want she'll go and start doing laundry. And I had said to my husband, I'm not okay with that, and mm-hmm. um, I'd like you to talk to her. And she just ignores he, it and keeps doing it. Um, has he talked to her? He he did. He did. Um, and it made no difference so at all. Things be, nope. Nope, she ignored him and keeps doing it. Um, Things basically culminated where I stood up for myself and my uh, husband's father said that women come and go, parents are forever. Um, Oh, well. And he has encouraged my husband to um, sleep with other women because that's what he does all the time and his wife just Mm -hmm. keeps up with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my husband basically says to me that this isn't his problem. He doesn't need to get involved. We need to figure this out, um, that I cause trouble because I've stood up for myself on a few occasions. Um, he said now, that you caused uh, trouble? Is that what you just said? He, your husband said yep. you caused trouble? Yeah, mm. because okay. I, I went looking for what he said to me. Mm-hmm. Um, does she dominate him? So, Sorry? Does, does the, his mother dominate him? It's not his mother. It's more his father. His mother is very passive. It's more his dad, but he doesn't see it as domination. Okay. All right. So let me understand here, though. But it's the mother that comes in, does the laundry, even though she knows you don't like that. Even though the husband's talked to her, she ignores it and does what she wants to anyway. That's the dominant dominant behavior. Your husband did talk to her, right? Yep. Yep. You're right. That is dominant behavior. Mm -hmm. And so I'm asking, does she dominate him in other ways? Uh, that's a good question. Um, probably yes. I think like they 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 still act like he's a child, and therefore they can they can control his life. Although he doesn't see it as control, he sees me being mm-hmm. controlling. How old is your husband? He is thirty-three. Okay. And so I see the question you're asking here is that should I stand up for myself? And now I'm hearing, I'm getting a broader understanding of that. What I'm hearing you say is if I do stand up for myself, my husband is going to say I'm the one causing the problems. That's what I heard you say. He does. Am I right? He does. He says, to, yep. He says he doesn't need to stand up for me or protect me because I'm the one that's in the wrong. <laughs> do you think you're in the wrong? 
Um, no, I do think that they irritate me a lot and that I don't. I've developed such a strong hatred that I have no sympathy or empathy at all, and I can see that that's wrong. Uh, I can see that there's still his parents and there's things that maybe I need to just brush off, but I don't think I'm wrong when things have built up and he refuses to defend me that I then step in to defend myself. I shouldn't have to step in in my mind and defend myself. Janine, that's an excellent answer because what I just heard and what you said there is that Okay, maybe I'm a little off here. Maybe I maybe shouldn't do that. That's the kind of answer I love to hear because it means somebody's self-reflective. It's not like, no, I'm doing everything right. The other person's everything wrong. So the answer you just gave is very mature and very wise. And I concur. I agree totally with what you said at the end. You don't deserve to be treated this way. So being more empathetic, sure, that's great. Maybe just brush some things off because they're not that big a deal. Makes sense to me. But allowing things to occur... That, that disrespect you is not a good thing at all. And so standing up for yourself, and I hate the fact that he's not standing up for you, but it sounds like that he's basically going to let them treat him like a child because he wants to be a child. That's what it sounds like. I don't know your husband, so forgive me for that sounding judgmental. But you sound very mature, and you sound very strong. And so my friend, my encouragement would be, did you get to hear by any chance the first 15 minutes of the program when I talked about in-laws for a while? I did. Okay. I recommend then that that's what you do. You make some stops and some chords like we talked about earlier. And, and then you tell your husband, this is what I'm going to do. And if he says, uh, I don't want you to do that and say, but I don't want to feel disrespected. I don't want to be treated as if I have no value. And, and I feel disrespected, not just by them. I feel disrespected by you as well because of the fact that they're your parents and therefore you should be protecting me and I should matter to you. And so not, not beat him up, not you might be just telling him what you feel. This is how I feel. I feel alone. I feel abandoned. I feel disrespected. And I don't, I don't want to hurt the relationship that you have with your mother and father. I do not, but I have to stand up for me. And so these are the things I'm going to do. And I want you to know in advance that I'm going to do them. And then Unless you decide to stand up for me, I'm going to have to have some kind of a visit with them where I tell them this is what is okay and this is what's not okay. And and I'm going to stand up and make sure that that happens that way. So here's the final question, Janine. If you do that, are you afraid that your husband will leave you? Well, um, to be honest, I filed for divorce two years ago um, because Mm. he refuses to stand up for me. Things just culminated. There's a whole bunch of other issues, but Mm. um, he's basically told me that he refuses to change and that this is something that I need to put up with. Um, Mm. And I've basically said, I I want nothing to do with your parents. Like, you can still have a relationship with them, but I want nothing to do with them. I don't want them moving to be closer to us because they're just going to meddle more when they're next door. Yeah, they definitely would. Oh, Janine, I'm so sorry. My heart breaks for you, my friend. But I think standing up for yourself is not ungodly. It's not evil. It's not immoral. It's what we do. And and that's just to respect and love ourselves in the proper way, not like narcissistic stuff, but it's proper love for yourself. So, uh, I think you're doing the right things. I'm so sorry it's painful, and I'm so sorry that he's not standing up for you. I, I wish I wish he would understand this and do that. But my encouragement is take care of yourself, my friend. Do that. 
well, this just breaks my heart. The um, When you look at the research about why people divorce, and there's a lot of research out there, and if you start looking for the motivations, not what is it they're fighting about, not what is it they're arguing about, but why they actually divorce, okay? Then, then it comes down to almost always being one of these three. It's going to be one of them, two of them, or all three of them. And again, this is backed up by some, some really good, solid research out there. It's, it's because I don't feel like you love me. One research project indicated that two-thirds of women who want out of the divorce is because I don't feel that he loves me. It's not measuring whether he does or not. It's measuring what she feels. I don't feel that he loves me. And then another one is I don't feel that you respect me. And 59% in another research study, 59% of both men and women that wanted out of a marriage said, because I just feel I'm disrespected. I'm not treated with the respect that I deserve as a human being. And we're not talking about some narcissistic self-interest thing. It's, it's about, I have, I have a need to have value. And, and the other one is, I don't feel like you like me. So love, like, and respect. And so for all you other folks out there, Everybody listening, because apparently I'm not having an audience with uh, Janine's husband. And if I did, he might not listen to anything I said anyway. But if your spouse feels disrespected, unloved, or disliked, the likelihood of him or her wanting to leave gets bigger and bigger until finally, often, they do. And so you heard Janine say that, you know, I've already filed for the divorce because I can't live like that. And his response to her was, it's your problem. So let me just talk about that another minute before I make, make, uh, take the next call. You see, marriage works when you see yourself as a team. It doesn't work when it's like, there you are over there and here I am over here. You take care of yourself over there, I'll take care of myself over here. You're not a team when that happens. And even if you stay together, even if for some reason it's convenient to stay in the marriage, it, it lacks a quality that can be there and should be there when you think more in terms of we than in terms of I. And so my heart's with you, Janine, but I'll tell you what, you sound like a very strong woman to me. And, and uh, for whatever it's worth, I'm, on, I'm in your corner cheering you on here, and I'm pro-marriage. I, I hope the marriage does make it. But Okay, all right, so we're going to go down to another one here. Now we're going to go to the great state of Texas. I can make this thing work. Here we go. We're going to talk to Chris. And Chris, I see the question here is that you want to help your wife repair her relationship with her dad. That's what you're calling about? Yes, sir. Um, are you still, can you hear me? Yeah, I sure can. Okay. Okay. So um, long story short, my wife is, I believe, in a limerent affair with one of her ex-boyfriends. And um hmm. I've done everything wrong. I've reached out to all of her friends and family, kind of panicked and done all the same mm-hmm. behaviors and totally screwed mm-hmm. this thing up from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, I am working on my pies, smart contact with her. Uh, I am very close with her mom and her dad. <clears throat> so she is, she's isolated herself, so to speak, from pretty much everyone except for her hello yeah and um i'm I'm assuming that's pretty normal i don't know if she is fully in limerence or not but judging by all the videos i've seen on it and the research i've read on it i do believe she is in limerence Mm -hmm. i'm just trying to figure out what advice i can give 
her gently and her parents so that she can rebuild or at least, I don't know, start communicating with them and not mm-hmm. feel like she's being pressured back into this marriage. Because her LO, unfortunately, is, I mean, he, he is barely six months clean off of uh, methamphetamine. My wife has been recovered for for about 15 years uh, mm-hmm. from it. We are both recovered drug addicts. Um, mm-hmm. So they're terrified that she is making a horrible mistake. Yeah. Um, I've always tried to treat her well. She's been a stay-at-home mom for our three boys for, for I mean, essentially since our oldest boy was born 13 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. She's been a stay-at-home mom. I've done everything within my power to give her a good life, and her parents know that. Yeah. So they see her kind of going mm-hmm. down this path, and they are terrified for her. I can I'm understand that. Parent, out, I would be terrified as well. I get that. But, but yeah, what I hear you ask, Chris, is that you're wanting to know how you can help her dad and her put the relationship back, make it better. Is that that you feel that you need to play a role in helping those two work things out? That's what I'm hearing you say, correct? Well, I, from my wife, you know, to me, she has told me multiple times that her dad is the most important man in her life. Mm-hmm. And I would feel absolutely terrible if, you know, he doesn't have a lot of time left, uh, unfortunately. He's diabetic. He's in renal failure. He's waiting for mm-hmm. a kidney. Mm-hmm. Uh, her mom. Right, but I'm asking a question, uh, Chris. I don't, I don't think you understood my question. You feel okay. like it's your responsibility to do something to help um, them work out their situation? Um, well, more or less, yes. It's it's. I don't want my wife to feel the guilt if her parents were to pass that she had isolated herself because of something I had done. I don't want her to blame me for that, and I don't want her to live with the guilt that while she's going through this woman phase that, you know, she lost that connection with her parents. All right. I, 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 I appreciate it. All of that, I think that's awfully loving and kind and wonderful of you. I really do. You sound like a really good guy to me. But but it's not – well, I, I keep trying to understand why is it your responsibility to help them repair that relationship? I, guess, I mean, I guess it's not – I mean, I guess it's not. I, I, know you love her. How... I know you love her. I know you love them. I get it. I understand your motivation. I think your motivation proves that you're a really, really good man. That's what I think your motivation proves. But, but in the long run, when you think about it, no third party actually has the ability to help any two people repair a relationship. Now, every counselor and therapist out there just, you know, fainted, but no third party can do that. Sometimes if, if both of you are talking to a particular person, that person can help you, you know, ease your way back into the relationship. But ultimately, ultimately it has to be between the two of them. And so you say you're close to her dad, you know, and I think that's a wonderful thing. So I, I give a couple of recommendations to you. And, and of course, Chris, you're a, you sound like a man's man to me. So I don't, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, buddy. I'm just going to give you a couple of ideas and suggestions here. One is, if you go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash marriage helper, somewhere in there in those hundreds of videos, there's a video that we did to parents. 
okay, if, if your child is involved in these kinds of things as a parent, what's the, what are some do's and don'ts for you? I can't give you all those points right now off the bat. And, and if you can find that video, it was done some time back. And I recommend it. I recommend that you find it. And then you give the link to your in-laws, to her parents. Hey, here's some suggestions from these guys about to interact with your daughter. And then you might suggest to dad, you know, I, I know that you're disappointed in her and I understand the fear entirely, but she's your daughter. And I recommend that you somehow dad have some kind of visits with her, if not a visit, some visits, plural, where that you guys can at least have some peace with each other. And, and then, Chris, I don't know what else you can do without her potentially feeling that you're trying to control or dominate her. Like, oh, he's now manipulating me. He's trying to come in by the, another way by using my parents. And because the ultimate long-term thing is really about the possibility of putting a marriage back together at some point. That's what we hope for you. And if she reaches a conclusion, begins to think that you're somehow trying to manipulate her by going through her parents, even, even though you'll be talking about how, how, that they can have a better relationship together, that just it's, a, it's kind of a landmine there, my friend, kind of a landmine. And so I'm suggesting be careful with that, that landmine. So tell dad and mom, here's what I recommend that you do, but be very careful about the interaction you have with her, my friend, because it can backfire on you. Uh, my heart's with you, Chris. You sound like a really, really good man. You really do. And now I'm going to go to the great state of Ohio, and we're going to talk to Emma, and Emma has a question about your your mom being hostile to your hostile to your husband, and that's the reason he left. Is that what you're saying, Emma? Hi, Doctor Bean. Thank you for taking my call. I'm you're not I'm not saying that per se. You know, I, I think there's lots of reasons he left, and a lot of them have to do with me. Um, and I'm working on okay. my pies like crazy. <laughs> um, but uh, but I will say, um, I will say that. My mother has had pervasive control issues my whole life, um, mm. and there's actually been some conversation with different professionals that she may have some sort of control-based, you know, personality disorder. Um, mm. She's older. She has legitimate physical issues. Tried to help her for years. She will not accept it unless it's exactly what she wants, and she gets aggressively hostile if it's not exactly her way, and that's just how she's always been. And so I think as a factor in all of this, because – my husband left very suddenly. It was like he just hopped in the car and went to Wyoming to be with his family. I don't know how he feels or what the next steps ought to be or anything. Um, but I think that during the course of our relationship, um, she really leaned on the situation. Uh, I know he said, and I can see now how he was sending me so many signals. He was saying, you know, she treats me like a servant. Uh, she doesn't even call me by name sometimes. She's, she's always very hostile toward me. Um, but I think she was getting kind of hostile toward him. Um, this sort of do it my way, you know, you're here. So you're kind of my, you're my person, you know, come, his name is James, you know, just come do this, do this my way, do it this way. Um, I think he just felt like a, some kind of a pack animal, you know, he just felt, and, and I think that was a factor. I think she leaned on a difficult situation and did a lot of additional damage. 
So in a sense, kind of like the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back, we, you and he had some problems. And then the fact that he was being treated that way by mama exacerbated those problems. And it was like, okay, that's enough. I can't handle it. I'm leaving. That's what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct? I think that's fair to say. And, you know, I've worked very hard over my life to be intentional about how I communicate. But in honesty, I probably, when I get angry, I probably sound like her. You know, if I get bad enough, mm-hmm. and he probably right. heard that and went, I'm not, no way, I'm mm-hmm. taking it, forget it. I got um, it. I got so, it. yeah, I, mm-hmm. I hear what, yeah, what you're saying. Okay. And so, okay, and then the, the question I'm seeing on my screen here is that you were asking, how can you fix it? Is that what you're asking? What can you do about this? Well, I don't even know. I mean, the truth is I, I can't fix anything at this point. I think the damage is done. I, I missed an awful lot of signals. I regret a lot of what I did and did not do. I love him desperately. I would do anything to fix it, but it's it's up to him. So I'm working on my pies. And, right, you know, right. I've, I've kind of stepped back away from her because she really has been – not pretty nasty. Um, most of my life, when she gets real, real close mm. to somebody, she, she this control thing kind of comes out. I'm um, so sorry. Mm. She's lost a lot of people that way, but but not unless yeah. you get super, super close in. If that, you know what I'm saying. So nobody yeah. else really yeah. sees it. So basically, what I just heard you say is you kind of distance yourself from her, at least to some degree. I mean, she's your mom, and so right. so even if that was a factor about why he left. You do know that the way that you, if you are able to put this relationship back together, it's going to be more about focusing on what's going on between you and him and not worrying so much about how he's reacting to mom, right? I do. I think what I'm wondering is, and I don't know if we can put it back together. I pray that we can. But if mm-hmm. that would happen, I really want, I want to be much more, I guess, intentional about not let it because I think what was happening is she was getting real nasty to me it was really upsetting Mm -hmm. me really you know Mm -hmm. and I I would kind of splash all over him and so I'm I'm trying to look for ways to sort of not make it so much of a factor in good Good. that's a good thing to do but there's not really anything you can do to fix it per se not that the only thing you can do is to fix you and you and you know that you you sound like you're familiar with a lot of our information and our material our youtube videos our website those kinds of things good for you i'm glad emma you sound like a pretty strong personality and that's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing but if he's not a real strong personality then sometimes you're going to be careful that even if you don't mean to come across as being too strong if, if he's not just as strong as you are, you're going to be careful about that. I'm not saying you're dominating. I'm not saying you're controlling. I'm not saying that. But you just said that maybe sometimes you might remind him of your mom, and she is. And so that can definitely plant an idea in a person's head, like, oh, my goodness, that's how this is going to be. So, I mean, you sound pretty bright. You actually sound like a very bright young lady. And my recommendation is whenever you do have more interactions with him, Whenever that occurs, when you do have more interactions with them, with him, try to get on his level wherever that is of calmness or reticence or whatever it might not reticence. I'm using the wrong word. Try to be careful to make sure that you don't remind him of mama so he doesn't think you're trying to overpower him. I think that would be one factor that you would need to pay attention to. And I hope, I really, truly hope you guys can put this back together. And I'm so sorry for the fact that your mom has lost so many people because of that. I hurt for her, believe it or not. And then we're going to go to Illinois and change subjects entirely. Uh, Carmen's asking a sexual question about interaction with her husband. 
Are you there, Carmen? Yeah, Joe, I'm right here. Can you okay. hear me? Yes, I can definitely hear you. And okay. I'm, I'm reading something on my screen here. Uh, you tell me if, if this, if I'm understanding this correctly, that your husband has some kind of a relationship with your 15-year-old sister. Is that correct? Uh, yes, when I called, I wasn't sure whether I should, you know, get too detail-oriented because there's so much to say or just ask a very basic question. I was listening to one of your other shows, and a man was talking about never having had um, – uh, intimacy or chemistry with his wife, even though they've been together for nine years and, and you were about to respond about what happens to somebody after you're together for two years, or I don't know what, but you were just about to talk about that and I lost you. So I didn't get the answer uh, to that question. That's also a problem <laughs> I share along with a thousand so other issues that have occurred in my marriage, including the fact that my husband was inappropriate with my sister when she was 15. Yes. And when you say inappropriate, I, I don't want to get you to say anything that's going to make you feel bad. But what, yeah. can you help me understand a little better what you mean by inappropriate? Um, yes, there was touching and feeling and, um, yeah. You mean sexually touching sexually touching her? Sexually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and yeah. How, uh, how did you find out about that? Um, actually, the day I found out, I also found out I was pregnant with number three. And when I was telling your uh, screener that – um, part of my question about the um, sexual chemistry was that I got married because I got pregnant. I was on my second date with him, and he had mentioned that his ex-girlfriend had never really given him much sex. And at the time, I was looking for a Christian man, and he was a very nice man, and we had a lot in common, and I was afraid to lose mm-hmm. that opportunity. So I slept with him, and um, I got pregnant immediately, and then I gave him a, a choice whether you know we were going to get married or I was going to take off, and I regret that now. But anyway, I married mm-hmm. him. And um, we can, but, you know, but the question have I have is this. How did you find out about the thing with your sister? How did you find out about that? Um, it exploded um, out of my aunt's mouth. Apparently, everybody in my family knew, and no one told me. Yeah, he did so, not so tell me. So the sister no. had been telling other people. Is that correct? Apparently, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and okay. we, it, it totally destroyed our relationship for the past 17 years. We're only now starting to reconcile. Okay, so that happened 17 years ago. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. And and uh, apparently you're still together after 17 years because your question is about okay now how can I create sexual chemistry with my husband now without well, without getting in, into in detail. All, mm-hmm. Go ahead. In all honesty, Joe, I don't I don't desire to do anything anymore. I've asked for a divorce twice now, and he um, has refused and uh, used intimidation to keep me by threatening to kill me or the person oh I'm with if I ever go off with someone. Um, he uh, threatened to tell my children that I'd been um, unfaithful, and I know he used these tactics to try and convince me, you know, not to leave him because he thinks I'm just going through a midlife crisis or something. But um, they, I just, I'm tired, Joe. <laughs> I'm tired. I've been praying our entire marriage. Tired. And he actually threatened your life. If you leave me, I will kill you. He actually did that. Yes, now, but he says that he just said that to intimidate me, to scare me. He hoped that that would work. Um, now, I know his temper. He's one of those type of people that never gets angry. He's always in a happy-go-lucky mood. When that thing happened with my sister, he never missed a beat. He never lost sleep. He never cried. He wasn't evo- emotional about it. It was all me, you know, and um, so that's the way he is. He doesn't – he's not an emotional okay. guy, you know. Okay. So, and so how long ago was it when he threatened you? Um, about, I want to say a year and a half, maybe. Okay. And you didn't seek any kind of help at that point when, even though he had threatened oh, yeah. your life. 
Oh yes, no. At the time, we were we were just about to start uh, marriage counseling, and then the marriage counselor uh, uh, refused to see us after I told her that he did that because she wanted me yeah. to go to the police, and she didn't she didn't want me to talk to him anymore, or she wanted me just right. to leave, and I didn't leave because I still have a couple. Uh, well, I only have one now that's left at home. She's graduating next year, so I've been kind of waiting it out until she's done. You know. Carmen, I, I appreciate your desire to protect your child. I mean, that mama instinct is strong, and it's a wonderful and good thing to have. So thank you for that. But I'm kind of with the marriage counselor on this. When when you're in a situation, you just described – now, listen to me very carefully. I am not making a diagnosis. I do not have enough information to make a diagnosis, nor am I qualified to make this kind of diagnosis. My PhD is not in psychology. It has to do with marital relationships. Okay. And so I'm, I'm, I'm don't want to make, I want to make sure that you don't think I am about to diagnose your husband, but I'm not, but let me tell you what scares me, what you're describing. Here's a man that was involved inappropriately with a 15 year old. And you said he never missed a night of sleep about that. Which I'm, I'm listening to that going, no guilt, no remorse, no, no, any of that, none, really. And then a man that seems to be happy, go lucky, smiling and all that kind of stuff, even after that. And, and they get later in life when you say, you know, I don't think I can live like this. I'm, I'm going to leave. And he says, if you leave, I will kill you. And then later says, oh, no, no, it was just a manipulation. Mm-hmm. What you're describing scares me because it sounds like a person that doesn't feel remorse, that, that doesn't feel guilt. Now, yeah, I know you're probably now going to try to go Google that and you're going to find a whole bunch of crap when you do. And it's going to make you even, it's just don't, don't go Google that. Don't. But my friend, a person who feels no remorse, a person who feels no guilt is a very scary person. Now, hopefully, he would never follow through on that. Hopefully, he would never endanger you. But safety is crucial. Physical safety, emotional safety, even spiritual safety, all these things are crucial to you and to your child that still lived at home and got another year before graduation. And and so while I do love and respect that mama thing of where it's like I'm going to be here for, because my daughter's got another year, your safety, physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, your safety is paramount. And so if if you think, no, no, I think he was just blowing smoke. I don't think there's any real danger. I can hang in here for another year. If that's what you want to do, then it's certainly your choice. I can't tell you to do anything differently than what you want to do that you think is right. But I would urge you to talk to somebody about this who's local somebody who is trained in this. Now be careful here because there are some counselors or therapists that just the very fact that you mentioned this, they're, they're going to be trained to immediately not listen to anything else. So find somebody who really can listen to you, really can listen to you, but please, please do whatever you need to do to take care of and protect you and that child. And so you're asking a question, you know, what can I do to create more sexual chemistry with my spouse? And then, and then you tell me, which makes all the sense in the world, you know, I don't really want to be sexual with him at all. Uh, I wouldn't either. And so I can't help you with that question. The situation you describe, all I can do is urge you, my friend, urge you, please find the help that you need. Now, let me change subjects and say to everybody who's still listening out there, I'm, 
I want to talk about the topics that are important to you. So on this program, we talked about in-laws. But if you want to email us at info, I-N-F-O, at marriagehelper.com and give other topics that you would like me to start the program about, I'll be spending the first 10 to 15 minutes of every program talking about a topic, hopefully from this point on. But I want to talk about things that are of value to you. And so if you would email us at info at marriagehelper.com and say, pass this on to Dr. Beam, this is a topic I would like. And I will look for the ones that most people refer to, most people mention. In other words, if just one person mentions it, it might get on the list, but be kind of down the list. If more people mention it, it gets on the list, but gets higher on the list or when I get to it quicker. Don't forget our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash marriagehelper. Don't forget our website, marriagehelper.com. And for those of you working on your pies, there's piesuniversity.com, P-I-E-S, university, all one long word, piesuniversity.com. And, and look for the, the podcast. It all starts with attraction. That's a good place to be there. Well, I'm about out of time. I've only got a couple of minutes left, and I usually go over. So this time I'm going to end actually a minute and a half short. Thank you for being with us today. I hope our program is a great value to you. Call us at our office, 615-472-1161. That's 615-472-1161 if we can help you. Thank you.